0: welcome 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 to another episode of who says no we are now approximately 33 hours from the start of free agency at least at the time of this recording well the official start of free agency really these deals started happening a couple weeks ago but joining (laughs) me today to talk about the start of free agency and well the beginning the middle and the end of free agency my oldest internet friend josh Everly. we have known each other for what a decade
1: i was gonna say yeah i mean at least um any anyone who is on Pro Sports Daily in its heyday, I'd say there's like eight people I still see on, on sports Twitter, NBA Twitter regularly. It's kind of surreal because you don't know them. Like Krishna Narzu is another one. But uh man, it's been like maybe 12 years, man. It's been it's right, been a like, while.
0: I was thinking before we did this, I think Dikembe Matumbo was in the NBA when we met. And he is like, I don't even know how old he is at this point. Um, but what we're gonna do today. The NBA, the free agent market this offseason really is going to come down to the point guards. And I'm using point guard as sort of a catch-all term here to determine ball handling guards. So I've got eight point guards here. Kyle Lowry, Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dennis Schroeder, Patty Mills, Goran Dragic, and Derrick Rose. We're going to go through each of them. We're going to make our predictions on where we think they're going to land. And then I think when we get through these eight, we're going to have a pretty good idea of how the free agent market as a whole is going to land. Josh, before we get started, I just, are you as into the conspiracy theories as I am? As like, how many of these deals do you think are done right now? How many, like, how many fallout do we think? Like, my theory is at least two or three of these are already done. But I don't, I'm not in the camp that 90% are done. Because I just think that not every team knows what what tampering every other team has done. So I think that there are, like, reactionary moves coming. But how much of this do you think is already done?
1: Oh, I'd say over half. But really? I, I'm not going to – when you started that sentence with the how into conspiracy theories are you, I was like, oh, boy, this is <laughs> going to take a, a pre-free agency turn. But I, I, isn't it even a conspiracy anymore? No, I think have,
0: that's
1: fair. When, when, when you know that, like – I'm sure that some of these deals have been talked about, like, Dallas's people and, and Miami's people were probably talking to Lowry like way before the trade deadline.
0: I would know? I would assume Miami knew what its offer was going to be in March.
1: Yeah, like I I I would imagine a lot of these teams, if not the player themselves, their agents have had been having lunches, have been having coffees, shooting the odd check-in text. And of the eight you gave me, I I would say probably three or four are roughly set in stone at this point.
0: I think Lowry is probably done. I have a strong suspicion that Dinwiddie is done, but we'll get into that. The others, I think there are a couple more in there, but I'm not 100% sure which. But why don't we start with Kyle Lowry? To me, I don't think – I hate to say that it's down to two teams, but it certainly feels like New Orleans and Dallas are the two teams that are really going hard for him and have gone out of their way to create as much space as possible. It seems like his priority is just make as much money as possible. My prediction for Kyle Lowry is the New Orleans Pelicans – they can make up to $36.6 million in cap space. I don't know if that means they're going to give him all of that, but when you have all of that extra cap space, that gives you a little bit more flexibility to front load the deal, which I think teams want to do. So, Josh, where do you think Kyle Lowry is going to end up?
1: This is tricky. I, Lowry is not one of the guys, while well, I think his camp has probably been talking to everyone, I don't think it's done. I think he's in a position where – you know, this is probably his last deal or his last big deal. It's, it's it might be where he finishes his career. It's a huge shift for him, you know, from where he's been, what he's done. Um, I, I still think Miami, Dallas, New Orleans are very much in the mix here. I, I think, you know, some of the things that I heard was that Miami was his pick and Miami was the situation that he wanted at the deadline. I'm not ready to rule them out yet. And some sort of, a sign-and-trade deal that they work out with the Raptors. Uh, I know that there's been reports that they don't want to give up Tyler Hero. I still think there's a situation where Toronto accommodates Lowry above and beyond what you would normally see due to the relationship and history between the two of them. And if he really wants Miami, I think Toronto might help him out to get that done. I still, I'm not sure if if Dallas can offer a complete, near or comparable money to new Orleans why you choose new Orleans over Dallas and I don't think Dallas does you know positions themselves to get the money open that they have if they don't think they have a chance of them I don't think they I also don't think they leak that he's their main target if they don't think they have a chance of them but I'm a Mavs fan and I have been dispo- disappointed by the Mavs so many times that I don't even know why I'm rationalizing the case
0: my argument not necessarily against Dallas but in favor of new Orleans is that the Pelicans just seem more desperate right like Luca has indicated that he plans to sign the five year, $200 million extension. We assume that Zion is going to do that next offseason, but it's certainly less clear. And I don't think we'd be hearing all of this smoke if there wasn't some fire, if the Pelicans at least didn't feel some, inse- like some necessity to go out and make a win now move. And by the way, like the opportunity cost here is not small. Zion himself has said he wants Alonzo back. I think they wouldn't be going after Lowry unless they felt like the situation is really dire. As far as Miami goes, my contention is it seems like it's mostly about the money for him. The most space I have Miami being able to create is something like 27 million. I think that's going to be lower than what the Pelicans and the Mavericks offer. They could make a sign and trade with the Raptors for more. My question is how do the heat match the salaries there? Like in this scenario, are they staying above the cap and like sending out, Goran Dragic and Iguodala like is this a situation where it's just hero and then that's getting them over the top financially like I guess it depends on the offer I wouldn't rule it out entirely but I think when you talk about making a sign and trade it just gets a little complicated so I'm right now leaning Lowry but you could certainly talk me into Dallas or, or Miami now my question is if it's Dallas is it just all of the space for for him or are you saying maybe retain a little for Hardaway like What's the move after the move if it's Dallas?
1: Well, and that's the situation where my really crazy prediction here is this ends up being some sort of a three-way situation where Lowry is going in a sign-in trade to Miami and Drogic winds up in Dallas. That would not be shocking. That's
0: interesting. Well. I had he sort could... of had the thought that Miami might, if they decline his team option, he might take less at like the cap room mid-level to go to Dallas.
1: I just I got a, I got a bit of a sneaky feeling that that could play up. But if I had, I would say right now Lowry to Miami with New Orleans and Dallas slightly behind. I do, I mean, I wonder what New Orleans is doing in, in a lot of regards here. You know, it's been rumored as well that even if they didn't land Lowry, that there's a situation where ball is still leaving. And like you said, Zion wants them back. This really speeds up their window. Uh Lowry is so exciting this year. He really is. And and he's the name that's most likely to move that people think moves the needle the furthest, but this is a guy who, you know, prior to the championship run had a lot of playoff blunders. He's 35 years old and, you know, both Dallas and, and New Orleans are teams that, you know, have, have a young potentially generational superstar. And I, I don't know if said stars will love this move looking back two three years from now. So as much as everyone wants to win Lowry's services this year. I just don't know how you feel about it next year and the year after.
0: So my argument for Dallas is if they give him a three-year deal, then his contract aligns with Porzingis. And you can just sort of say, for the next three years, our team is Luca, Lowry, Porzingis. And then we reset in the summer of 2024 when Devin Booker, Jamal Murray, I think Pascal Siakam, a couple other high-level guys become free agents. And that's sort of when you rebuild with the you know, appropriately aged co-star in mind. Now, I don't know if Luca would be thrilled with the idea of like, we're going to be really good next year and then probably decline a little bit. For New Orleans, I, I agree with you. I just don't really get why they feel the need to rush this much. Lowry is probably a better player than Lonzo Ball right now. Will that be true in a year? I'm pretty skeptical. Will it be true in two years? I highly doubt it. The one sort of saving grace here is if they can get a partial guarantee on that last year, Then suddenly you can think of it as a two-year window where going into the third, you're trading him as a big expiring contract that can save, insert team X that has a star, a whole bunch of money by waiving him. So I guess that's the argument for giving him a three-year deal. But I'm with you. I I think we've gotten a little bit out of hand. I will say, though, there are a lot of teams that really regret not making this move at the deadline. Like the Lakers right now, how much are they regretting not just getting Kyle Lowry when they had the chance now they have Russell Westbrook, who's a significantly worse fit. Miami, too. That I think is the story here. Like Philly can't really get into this right now, right? Like they just can't fit him, Simmons, and Embiid and Tobias Harris under the hard cap. So I we've heard these Philly rumors. I just don't really buy them. But if you had to make your official prediction right now, are you going with Miami?
1: I'm going to go with Miami. Yeah, but I but like to to your point too on on the Pelicans, man. I just it's it's crazy because it is exactly what you said next year. I think Lowry is definitely a player that helps you win more than ball. After that, I'm very skeptical. And I just, I don't, I don't know if you want to mess around and and strain that relationship, unless you think you can make a huge jump next year, which is what I think the situation is. I think however we feel David Griffin and the Pelicans internally must feel like if they add a veteran leader in Lowry and they, they add some shooting that they have a huge jump in them and you know, on paper, a, a Lowry, Ingram, Nikhil Alexander, Walker, Zion quartet is very interesting. Depending on what else they do around there, but um, I like JV in there too. Actually, I don't. I don't dislike the JV fit as much as some other people have. But yeah, I like better it better than
0: Adams. I'll leave it on that
1: for sure. Uh, that for sure. Uh, but if they, they're hoping for a twenty-win jump because that that seems to be the way that they're planning right
0: now. Well, the model seems to be, oh, we want to be the next Phoenix, and we're hearing that about a lot of teams. And I just sort of feel like. That's a fundamental misunderstanding of what was special about Phoenix, right? It was not just Chris Paul came in. Oh, we have a point guard. Oh, we have a leader. It was a lot of different things, right? It was a lot of random guys making leaps. Like nobody thought Cam Johnson was this good. Nobody thought campaign was this good. Mikhail Bridges grew into one of the best 3D players in the NBA and frankly can do a little bit more than that. This was not as simple as adding one player. And you could argue for the Pelicans, maybe to Alexander Walker makes that jump for us, right? Like maybe Kyra Lewis makes that jump for us. I'm pretty skeptical. I think those guys are a bit further behind in their development than the Suns guys were. So yeah, it seems like a weird move to make for what I would assume would be a five or a six seed at best, but let's move on from Lowry. It seems like we're on not necessarily the same page about where he lands, but the leverage that he has. I mean, a lot of teams are really lining up for an older guy that I'm just, I don't know. I love Kyle Lowry as much as anybody. It's just, it it befuddles me a little bit. Lonzo Ball is the guy that I would be going after personally. I just think, he hasn't found the right situation yet. I think when you get him on the right team that can like make a real concerted effort to make him more than the 3 and D player that he had sort of become in New Orleans, but less than the point guard the Lakers wanted, I think that's the ideal situation. I know that Chris Haynes came out and said that he expects it to be the Bulls. I'm going to go off book here and I'm going to say it's the Knicks. Here's why. It takes so much effort for Chicago to create the sort of cap space that they need. They might have to waive that he's young and his partial guarantee. Tomas Sadaransky has the partial guarantee. All will freak out a I think there's a good chance that he gets stretched. The Knicks don't have to go through any of those hoops. They can outbid Chicago so easily. And they're coming away with this with some, like with somebody, I don't know who it's going to be. And if it's not Lowry, I just don't see a better fit on the board. Do you think Lonzo's a Nick, or are you trusting Chris Haynes and going with the Bulls? I
1: think I'm going to trust Haynes and, and say the Bulls. Cause I've, Actually, heard that a few other times behind the scenes prior. And I and I and what sometimes, you know, there are smoke screens, and sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. But I again I, I I do and I don't want to keep going back to the Pelicans, but I'm with you. I and I, I feel as a Mavs fan, I've thrown this out. Why why not take a run Alonzo? Just that the the age would work so well with Luca, what he can do defensively would fit so well. You know, he he does have playmaking skills, the shot has improved. I think there is there is a higher ceiling that we haven't seen yet. I'm not a Lonzo Ball stan and crazy, and I don't think he's Steph Curry or any of this weird stuff that you see on the internet, but I think he's potentially a very good player that we haven't seen you know, all that he can give yet. And I think if Chicago gets him, that, that's, a huge, that's a huge get. And especially at the reported, uh, what was it, 480 that they were talking about? That um, seems
0: like a pretty reasonable price to me.
1: That seems like a, like a really reasonable deal for a guy who still has room to grow. Yeah.
0: I have some numbers for you. Dallas last year ranked 8th in half-court offense, 17th in rebounding, 21st in fast break points, and 21st in defense. That sounds like a team that needs the things that Lonzo Ball does more than another half-court creator. I know that we really want to fixate on the Clippers series. I don't think that they necessarily need another high-level individual shot creator right now. Maybe when it's time to really go win the championship, sure. But at this stage, I agree. I think he'd be a really good fit in Dallas.
1: Well, and, and, you know, that's interesting too, what you said there, like when it's time to really go win the championship, just the way that this free agency market turned out. And I know that there were thoughts a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, that this was going to be a huge class of free agents and it was going to change some things. I, I don't think there's a name with, I mean, even if Kawhi left with, with him potentially missing the whole year, I don't think there's a guy that moves the needle enough for any team who has money to go win the championship next year. Like I don't, Think if the Mavs got their ideal uh, offseason or the Pelicans got their ideal offseason or any of these teams that are really hoping to make the contender jump, that there's any sort of situation where they could go out and beat the Lakers and the Nets and the Bucks. and I think those three are are well separated from the field right now. But uh, that, that's kind of why I like Lonzo for a lot of these teams, because I don't think your window is as contingent on this next season or two as it is with, say, a Lowry or Paul. I am gonna. I am gonna stick with Lonzo and and to the Bulls, but uh, I would not like. I don't feel as confident there as I did on Lowry to the Heat, just because I think there's a situation where someone kind of has the conversation we're having right now, and they're like, "What are we doing? Let's throw all our money at Lonzo."
0: You know, that's an interesting point. I will say there actually is one way to make the true jump into being a contender. We just don't know when it's going to be available. Which is, you'd figure at a certain point. The Wizards and the Blazers, at least one of them is going to have their come to Jesus moment where they just kind of realize, look, this isn't going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be this offseason. I don't know if it's going to be during the season before the deadline, but I would say that's your one hope if you're in that next tier, like maybe in the Philly group where you have to get one of those guys to make that jump. I don't think that that's realistically going to change the title picture. Like if the Nets, like I think the Nets would still beat Philly if they got Damian Lillard, but. I do think that there are going to be teams on this list, the Knicks especially, that might base decisions on potentially getting one of those guys. I don't think that's a great idea.
1: Dame's what, 31?
0: I believe 31, yes.
1: I think he's still young enough that if you're the Knicks, that you do make one of the and I think there's a situation where, you know, Portland's like, we don't actually want Ben Simmons. We want the most picks possible.
0: Don't let Sixers then, fans hear you say that. Yeah. How dare you be smirking <laughs> Ben Simmons?
1: And it's not because I, I'm not selling my Ben Simmons stock. I still think there's a place for him, where he's a very good, productive player.
0: I agree, 100. I,
1: I don't think if you're Portland, you're like, yeah, um, we're gonna flip right into Ben Simmons money and try to keep this going. I don't, I don't think that's the vibe in Portland if they deal the game. I think it's a teardown to try to figure some things out. And I, I, there might be a situation where the Knicks can keep Barrett and get Lillard, and if that's a situation that's possible, I think they should they should take a run at it. Because I don't see any other way of them getting a top 12-ish talent in, in the near future. But, yeah, I, 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 to be honest, I, I think Dane probably will move this year still. I, I don't really believe this. I don't want to go. There's, there's been plenty of leaks. He seems to have been setting the table. This idea that he's trying to put pressure on the front office to make a better team. Even if it's true, how are they going to make a better team? What are the, what, what are they doing this offseason? They're not signing
0: race? any players on this list. I'll put it that way.
1: No, they're not getting anybody on this list. And and CJ McCollum has minimal value and they've you know been shopping him. And I, I don't think that he's going to look at this team and be like, oh yeah, we're, you know, his own words. I look at this team and we're not ready to win a championship. What, what are the Blazers doing to change his mind on that? And CJ McCollum's his best bet on the team, even if they move him, I bet he finds that return underwhelming or it risks upsetting things further. The Blazers' hands are tied. I, I would be shocked if he's a Blazer by the end of the trade deadline next year.
0: I think I'm slightly more optimistic about him staying with the Blazers than you, but if you had to put a percentage on it, I'd probably go around 50%. Like I think there is a very real chance to gets traded. As far as his value goes, I agree with you. I do think there's a scenario where they don't have to give up Barrett to get him because every time a star becomes available, we go through this. We say, oh, they're going to get the mother load, and then the trade actually happens, and aside from Paul George, he, who – That was a very specific, unique situation. We're always underwhelmed, right? Like all we were saying before the Nets traded for James Harden is that the Nets don't have enough to trade for James Harden. Getting all of a team's picks for seven years is really valuable. And I think fans are sort of dismissing that prematurely. But I do think the other advantage of signing Lonzo, if you're the Knicks, is that he's somebody that probably would interest the Blazers a little bit, right? Like he's so young that you could use him as a trade chip if you're signing Kyle Lowry and then trying to trade for Lillard down the line, like having him on a three-year deal could really hamper you.
1: Yeah, and I and I mean the Pelicans are a team with a fair number of picks and some options, and I, I similar to the Knicks not giving up Baird, I kind of thought there was a situation where maybe the Pelicans could have gone all in for, for Lillard and not, have a, not had to offer Ingram that will not exist if they trade for Kyle Lowry
0: or if Agreed. they sign Kyle Lowry. Yes, I if they're signing Kyle Lowry, I think he's there for two years at least. And by then, I just think Lillard's off the table. So we've disagreed on the first two guys. We're going to go, at least in my eyes, we're going to go to your favorite team, the Mavericks, with (laughs) DeMar DeRozan. I think he's going to be their fallback when they don't get Lowry. Although I will throw something else out there. This is sort of some 2K stuff right here. Maybe they could trade Maxi Kleba. Maybe they could trade one more reasonably sized contract. And try to entice Lowry by saying, we'll sign DeMar too. Reunite the two best friends.
1: Man, I, I, I kind of thought there was a, a pretty decent chance that they would go somewhere together. They would go to a team that could offer them some sort of a tandem deal. I would take DeMar if I got Kyle. <laughs> I, I would not be thrilled. You're not paying him if you don't? Yeah, I, I would not want – they might do it. The Mavs might do it. I know they've taken a look at him. But I would not be thrilled if the Mavs brought – Rosen in, and that was their marquee so, I mean, Mavs fans, and I don't always agree on this, but this is the situation, right? Like they really, really want, as you said earlier, another half court creator. They want someone that can take the ball out of Lucas' hands when we need to change of pace or he's exhausted or he's on the bench. And I and I understand that DeMar can do that to some extent, but Damar is one of the worst playoff performers ever. And, and I mean that's 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 well noted. Analytically, that's well well noted. Um, anecdotally, if you've watched play, but it's it's just next level. He's a very specific player, not unlike Ben Simmons. He needs things around him to be successful, and he needs tons of shooting. He needs to be able to play higher up as a forward. Oh, he needs help defensively. I, he just he has a lot of needs for a guy who's over thirty. I don't think he makes this team better. And ultimately, when games are on the line, you're going to see Dermaro Rosen fall into shots that you don't want him to take. And the ball is not going to be in Luca's hands. And all those fans who were like, we want the ball out of Luca's hands. We want another creator. are going to be like, actually, it doesn't make sense for DeMar to be running these possessions when we have Luca on the team. So I, I just don't, I don't love the fit with DeMar at all. I would rather, if that was the case, I would rather look at some smaller options and just bring back Tim Hardaway Jr.
0: I think with DeMar, the theoretical appeal is that he could come in and you could rest Luca a little bit more and feel comfortable that you have a half-court creator for those bench minutes. But the counter to that is that the Raptors bench lineups were always great with Kyle and bad with DeMar. And then in San Antonio, the Spurs were always great when DeMar was off and not so great when he was on. So I'll just ask you this then. We can jump around the list a little bit here. It's Monday at, I don't know, 9 p.m. Eastern. Kyle Lowry, Woj just tweets. Kyle Lowry is signed with the Pelicans. What do you think the Mavericks are doing next?
1: Uh, I think they're calling John Collins.
0: Really? So you're saying they would be willing to tie up their cap space to take that gamble?
1: Yeah. I, I think I wish it was calling Lonzo, but I, I get the feeling that um, if things don't work out with Lowry, they go another way and they swing at John Collins.
0: That's the, the highest upside from a talent perspective on the board. I just, I wouldn't be the team to do that unless I was the Spurs and had so much cap space to burn that tying up 25 to 30 million of it, like just wasn't an issue, right? Like with Dallas, if they do that, by the time Atlanta, if they do decide to match, by the time that that gets settled, that's it. Their space is basically wasted unless like there's another restricted free agent that they might want to take a run at. I I just, that seems like too big a risk with a team that has such high ambitions for next year. But from a talent perspective, you're right.
1: My thought here, though, is if if you don't get Lowry, and this is not just for the Mavs, this is just in general, and you're looking for a wing, there's a situation out there. There's a lot of names out there, and there's not as much money out there as people think. So, how much more do you like Demar Derozan than Will Barton or Norman Powell? Um, you know, the Kings are still looking to move Buddy Heel. I, I think there's enough possibilities out there where stuff might move a little slower and marginally different players and talent value might still be still be hanging around.
0: So let me ask you this then let's say from DeMar's perspective, he's probably waiting for Kyle because some of these teams in on Kyle are going to pivot to him. If you think it's John Collins as the Mavericks target. Who's DeMar's team?
1: I think DeMar, you know, as it was I was it Jake Fisher who reported, who reported that he really wanted the Lakers.
0: Just please no, not after Westbrook. Haven't we suffered enough?
1: I I think there's a situation where he ends up on the other LA team. Okay. I, to go to go the two K route, as you said. I think there's a situation where he does want to go back to California where he wants to go to LA, especially if Lowry ends up with um, a team that he doesn't feel he could join and doesn't want to join. I would not be shocked if DeMar was a clipper. I think that's, that's my prediction right now.
0: I think there's a chance that if it's not Dallas and if it's not the Knicks, those are the only two like big cap space teams that I could really see making a run at him. If they choose other guys, I do think there is definitely a world in which he's taking the taxpayer mid-level. The LA teams jump to the top of the list. My one counter to that would be that if the Lakers thought to for the mini mid-level was feasible, don't you think they would have traded for Buddy Heald over Russell Westbrook, right? Like I'm not saying what like they prefer Demar to Westbrook, but I think if you can have Demar and Heald, you'd probably rather have that than Rust. That's my one theory, and I'm not saying that that means like the Clippers would certainly be interested. I just think if the LA teams had intel that that was realistic, the Westbrook trade is probably a little unlikelier.
1: I think that to your theory, you're overrating what would be the logic of X and O's. And underrating the relationship side of who LeBron wanted. And I think that might have played.
0: Uh, if that's the case, and like let's say they were to end up with Westbrook and DeMar, which to be clear, I don't think is going to happen. Just like that is the ultimate basketball test of just talent versus common sense.
1: Oh yeah. And I I mean I, I was arguing with Jason Timff on Twitter, who does a good job of covering the Lakers, where he was saying that, you know, if it did happen, a Westbrook deRozan, LeBron. AD lineup would just make it work with cutting and AD be playing the five would be the cheat code. And I'm like, man, there's so many things with this that I just, I don't really know. I think you would get baited and taking a bunch of bad threes from Russ and, and LeBron. I think AD would hate playing the five even more with that group because the chances of him getting a, a touch early and doing the things that he likes to do would not be great. I, I, I don't think that lineup would defend particularly well, but uh, it's possible. And like you said, I mean, it would be an interesting case study. As much as i like to think Woj got got, what I, my theory is that the Lakers had a trade for Healed. They were going to follow through on it. Clutch stepped in, and Clutch doesn't have a great relationship with Woj, right? Clutch steps in. They've talked to LeBron. They'd rather have Russ. And the Lakers pivoted after already tentatively agreeing to this Heald deal to get Westbrook. So I, I, I think that's how the ship's changed. As much as I like to think Woj just got got burned, I think the Lakers were looking one way, Clutch weighed in, they went another way.
0: I disagree with that just based on the timing because Woj tweeted out that the yield deal was close at I think 5:04 Eastern, and 10 minutes later, Shams tweets about Westbrook. I don't think in such a short time frame, and I'm going to allow more than 10 minutes, obviously, but like if the Lakers were at that time moving forward with a yield deal, I don't think Clutch has the power to change the entire like an organization's entire plan in 10 minutes. I just think that's a little short for me. If you were going to go conspiracy theory, I do think the Lakers still chasing Buddy Heald theory has some legs. It's a little harder now that it appears that Washington is going to target the next guy on our list, which is Spencer Dinwiddie. Do you think the Dinwiddie deal is done? That's the one that I'm pretty confident is done.
1: I don't know. I don't, like, I'm, I'm hearing his name a lot for a guy who steals done.
0: Yeah, I would just – I'm also just – I'm a little confused at why why his market is this good. He was very good in that brief stint without Kyrie Irving two years ago. Sure, yeah. He has multiple ACL injuries. He's not a good shooter. I think we're just really getting out of hand with him.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that he's a he's a guy that I would be overly excited to go spend money on. And um, like you said, I don't know what he looks like after the injuries, and he's not young. What? what how old is Spencer Duney now, 28, 29th?
0: Yeah, he was. I think he was a multi-year college guy, right? He certainly wasn't a one-and-done.
1: I have to look that up really quick. But,
0: but yeah, yeah I, he's I'm, he's in his late 20s, I think.
1: I don't have a great read on where he's going yet, to be honest with you. Like the the wizard, the wizard's idea is, I mean, I'm just I'm help me understand the Brad is for the first. He's he's debating the trade requre, trade request for like the 15th time. And then they trade Russell Westbrook, and they're like, we're going to pivot to a team around you and Dinwiddie and Kuzma. You want to hear my conspiracy
0: on this? What? Here's my conspiracy on this. Bradley Beal is never going to ask for a trade because he is going to sign with the Boston Celtics next offseason as a free agent. They are not going to re-sign Evan Fournier. That's why they traded for Josh Richardson. They needed somebody to replace Fournier this season and as an expiring contract so that next season they just got to dump Al Horford and they can get to the max.
1: Yeah, I think I th- I I think that's not even that deep of a conspiracy. I think I think it's possible. But I still think I still think we're gonna get like the poopy face from Brad Beale, like a month into the season. And he's gonna be really upset when it turns out that like Rui and Kyle Kuzma are not, you know, the players that he wants to win with. And Ren, we're gonna go through the like, oh, he should save Bradley Beale. And there's gonna be rumblings that he's unhappy again, but he's be like, Oh, I've never wanted to leave. So I, I don't know, maybe they're gonna be in on Spencer, but I what are the Wizards doing? Like, uh, I mean, what's, what's your plan?
0: I have no clue whatsoever. I just, if I were them, I do think that just getting off Westbrook is helpful for a post Peel world. The Dinwiddie thing has thrown me for a complete loop. That says to me, like, they think they can try to win and like really convince Peel that it's worth saying. I don't think that he's going to in the end. I also just want to say if this Dinwiddie wizards thing is real, Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell on the nets is hilarious for so many reasons. I mean, We'd have Harrell getting benched in the playoffs again, For I guess he wasn't benched by the Clippers, but he was exposed by the Clippers. Then last year, obviously, his minutes went down quite a bit. He's not going to play in the finals. I'm sorry, like if they run into the Lakers, the defensive issues there are too great. As for Kuzma, Nets fans have been clowning Kuzma for so long. I just think that would be hilarious. But the funniest outcome by far is the possibility, and I think this is extremely unlikely, but what if the Nets rerouted Kuzma and Harold to Sacramento for Buddy Heel just to rub it in the Lakers' states?
1: Uh, I would dig it. I, I'm still I still have been for four years here. I'm trying to wrap my mind around the idea that Buddy Heal is actually older than Bradley Beal because that does doesn't seem possible.
0: I've but, never. Uh, well, <laughs> wow, i never even. I knew he was old. I just didn't think that through.
1: When it slipped out that he was a year older than he said, it was like he, he's he's a year older than Beal despite playing what like four less seasons of basketball. For fewer seasons of basketball. So, I mean, that is, that is something to but I, I don't like Denny and Rui and, and Kuzma, all of their best position is the four. I, I don't know. I don't know what the, the wizards plan right now is. And if you were dealing Russ because you thought Beal was leaving, you wanted to restart and build around your younger guys. I, I kind of got the direction, but then swinging around and grabbing 28 year old Dinwiddie after some injuries and then still look, I, I, you're not going to compete. That team isn't going to compete. So I I don't know where their head's at right now.
0: I think there's a chance that Dinwiddie is the plan B for maybe the Pelicans, maybe the Knicks, whatever. I don't know what the Knicks' plan A is. Do you think it's Lowry?
1: Dude, I I was saying this the other day. I was like, I actually – is it weird that we don't know what the Knicks want?
0: They're clearly doing something because they just created more cap space on draft night. That did not seem like an accident. I just have no clue what it is. My prevailing theory at this moment is that it's Lonzo Ball and Evan Fournier? But I don't feel comfortable about that.
1: Fournier is that the only name I've really heard linked to them, and I'm like, it's weird that a Knicks team hasn't been like, we want to sign all these guys. And uh, so on Dinwiddie, my prediction is actually that he ends up with the Knicks. Okay. That they just offer him a good amount of money. He doesn't make a have to make a huge move. Um, they pretend they do the two plus one sort of situation, and you know, don't completely cripple their future. That, that's kind of where I'm thinking, but like they, they might be the guy that they might end up getting is Schroeder.
0: We'll get to Schroeder in one second. I just want to point out, imagine it's, I don't know, June 10th, 2019, and you told, you told New York fans, you told Knicks fans, the two point starting point guards for the 2021-22 season in the city of New York would be Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dinwiddie. I think they would get so excited thinking that they had Kyrie. <laughs> but obviously, like, they'd end up with Brooklyn scraps, just as is the current order of business in the NBA. Let's move on to Dennis, though. So you have Dennis to the Knicks?
1: I think it's possible. I, I think what the Lakers would love to do more than anything is somehow flip Dennis for heel. But I think Sacramento's like, we're good on that. And I don't, I mean, I know the Mavs are mentioned with Schroeder, too, but I, I, I cannot see them getting it on a Schroeder. I can't. I, I just, I, I don't know who else. And so the Spurs and the Knicks are the two teams I keep looking at for Schroeder.
0: Yeah, I don't really get the Spurs. I do get the Knicks. As far as the Lakers signing and trading him somewhere, I think the real conversation the Lakers need to be having internally right now is would you rather have Buddy Heald or Taylor Horton Tucker? Because the Kings certainly don't want Schroeder. But I think you could maybe entice them with Horton Tucker, like maybe use Schroeder for salary purposes going to another team, like just make that one big deal. I think the Kings want to move field. I feel pretty comfortable with that if they pick Davion Mitchell. And I don't know who the other suitors are. Like we've heard the Sixers. We haven't really heard too much about, you know, a player of that caliber. But I think with his salary, that's probably why. I have Dennis going to the Bulls as their fallback after they miss out on Lonzo in this scenario. Now, if they get Lonzo, obviously not. But I think we're on the same page here that the team that doesn't get Lonzo is probably going to get Dennis.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um yeah, I I I might say next, like I might they might get Schroeder and and Dinwiddie.
0: He is a very think. he's a very Tibbs player. I think Tibbs would like him. I think he would love that he's picking guys up full court. I think he would love just the speed and the energy. But I got to tell you, I watched Schroeder for a full season last year, and I'm not exactly clamoring to have him back in Los Angeles.
1: No, man, I I don't know what the the expectation was, um, in terms of like he's going to be a starter here he's done the six man role was I think the quote and he, he came off a pretty good year with OKC, but whatever that expectation was, he fell short. And I know there were some injuries, but he was, he was inept in the playoffs. It was very clear. If the idea was ever that he can win some minutes for us from LeBron sits, that was not the case. Um, so I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, the THT for heel thing is possible too, because like the Kings definitely don't want heal. They try to trade him in multiple years. Um, they drafted Mitchell. They drafted Halliburton. I don't think that his shot selection and the lack of identity for that team always went um, super smoothly. But I still think Heald's a heck of a player. Like I would still take Heald on my team over or most of the guys that we've talked about so far.
0: I think Heald is the one shooting guard the Lakers could add that would like really mitigate the spacing damage that Russ does because this is not just like a decent shooter on you know Matt volume. This is a guy that's going to take 10 threes a game if that's what you need him to do. There are very few shooters that have like, I don't know how to put this, I guess, positive gravity, right? Where like every defender on the floor has to be aware of Buddy Heald in a way that's only necessarily true of like, it's not up to the degree of Stephen Curry, obviously. But like, there are like between five and 10 shooters in the NBA like that. The two Currys, Clay Thompson, you know, it's a pretty short list. I think he is the one guy the Lakers could get that would like really make the offense make sense. The defense would have issues, but man, that offense would be awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I got a staff for you too. Uh, Like last year, 24 feet or further staff from nba.com Dame took 10.4 threes a game from deep 24 plus, and he shot 39.3%. And Dame's one of the best shot creators in the entire league. He's got, you know, an AA minus handle. Buddy he Heald took 10.1 attempts from 24-plus from feet and hit 39.1%. As a king with, you know, a C-handle, I mean, Heald on, on the Lakers with LeBron's playmaking, you know, with AD down low, he's, he would be an absolute killer. I, I think he would be and, – and to the Westbrook deal, I think they chose wrong, whatever that ended up being. If they could have got Russ and Heald, that was best-case scenario, but I think Heald was such a better fit with that group instantly, then, then Russ will be
0: Lakers Twitter still very much believes that yield is coming. And like, I have wavered on this when I did my Westbrook podcast two days ago, I thought that this screamed, they have something lined up, some sort of sign and trade where Dennis or THT or both are going out and they just can't leak it because of the Bogdanovich thing. I feel like we would have heard a beat by now, frankly, the Lakers are just not this quiet. I think something would have gotten out if that was the case. So I'm starting to move on from that, but man, I, I do agree with you. Heels would have been a perfect fit for them. We've gone through the five main guys, and we've gone through most of the teams as far like the the big cap space, big ambitions teams. I'll lump these last three together: Patty Mills, Goran Dragic, Derrick Rose. You mentioned Goran Dragic as a Dallas target. What do you think about yeah. the other two guys?
1: Man, I I want to see Patty Mills not with the Spurs. I agree. I'm, I am so tired of Patty Mills looking like Steph Curry, Dame Lillard internationally and going to pop's bench and having to split minutes with Murray and white and whoever else. And I just, I want to see Patty Mills go to a team where he gets to, to be the guy on the floor and he gets to shoot and he gets the movement. I don't, I don't know where the fit is. I don't know where the best spot is. I'm trying to think who has cap that we have not assigned someone to. And I don't think I'll don't throw it's a cap space team out
0: there if you want, Detroit. I think you okay. play Cade at the two, or you even play Kate at the three. big enough for it. Like I, I think you need some more shooting on that team. Like If Killian Hayes is playing major minutes, I think you want another shooting guard, but that is not who I have him going to. I think the Lakers and the Warriors are both going to offer him the tax pyramid level, and I think he's going to say no. I feel like the, the Hawks are a good fit as a backup point guard just because his shooting... With Bogdanovich's ball handling of, like as your non Trey Young minutes, I think that's a great combination, but I don't feel great about that. I, at least I don't feel like that's particularly likely.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what is there any way Phoenix could get him?
0: Full mid level. They should. Yeah. And by the way, if that means letting campaign go, do it. Patty Mills yes. is better.
1: 100 percent agree. I, I feel like Phoenix, he'd be such a great fit. He could work in between Booker and Paul and be, be a benefit on or off. I I mean what if if Lowry's going and Toronto is still doing some things, I wonder if he's a fit in Toronto too.
0: It just seems like a strange thing to do to let Lowry go and then bring in another older point guard, right? Like it seems like if you wanted to have an older point guard, you just keep Lowry, right?
1: Well, I, I think one he's going to come a lot cheaper than Lowry, and two I think it, it's Lowry's like I've given this team what I can. We're not going to win next year. Let me go see what I want to pursue. Um, But I I also think, you know, the not drafting sucks opened up that path a little bit too.
0: That was very confusing to me, but I think that signaled more than anything that the Raptors just value big wings more than anything else. Like I disagree with the pick, but I do understand the logic behind it. I want to get back to Patty leaving the Spurs as just a concept that screams Davis Bertans to me, right? Where Bertans leaves the Spurs and suddenly he's taking a million threes every night. We're all just thinking like, the Spurs had this guy in the building and they just, they traded him literally for cap space. So I think there's an avenue to Patty Mills going somewhere else and like really pushing the volume and handling the ball more. Somebody should be getting on. The more I think about Phoenix, the more I like that because they don't really have that many needs aside from a backup big and you can get a backup big in a trade.
1: You, I mean, you did, you did Bertans, but you didn't even do like the playoff X factor who, you know, left the bucks and is
0: looking at the nets like
1: same situation. Right. Yeah, like- exactly. Yeah. Who, so so you, you said wait. You said Mills, Dragic, and who was the third name? Derek Rose. Yeah. So and, and Ro, Rose rumored to the Bulls too. Is that with Lonzo or is that like if Lonzo? Falls I think that's
0: through? with Lonzo. But how are they creating that much space?
1: And what is Kobe White doing in this scenario?
0: I hope he gets traded somewhere that I can appreciate. It. And by the way, like I did a podcast with Trevor Lane, just going through all the different Lakers point guard topics, and we both we talked a little bit about Kobe White, and we thought like. Well, he wouldn't be a first choice, but he's got a lot of upside. Like, somebody should want him.
1: And he's big. Like, I, like I know he has been a great defender to date, but, like, with his size, he's someone you could hide. He could do the off-ball thing that Lonzo's done the last couple of years while he figured things out. I I don't know. Like, he, he's definitely interesting. I would not want to run Derrick Rose minutes at this point over Kobe White minutes. But, I mean, Rose did have a heck of a playoff series, and... He is a huge name, and I'm sure they would sell some papers if he went home. But
0: Well, yeah. you know what that move reminds me of? It reminds me of the Bulls signing Dwayne Wade in 2016, where it just, it's, it's going to win you some regular season games. It's going to sell tickets. It's going to sell papers, yada, yada, yada. But it doesn't really make sense in their actual long-term goal. The difference is the stakes are meaningfully higher this season because if they're using cap space, whoever it's on, like whether it's on Lonzo or Rose or whoever, you're not extending Zach Levine. And that means Zach Levine's becoming a free agent next offseason. I think Levine would extend if you renegotiated with him this offseason. But if you're going into next offseason with him as a free agent, he's got to look around and see more appealing situations.
1: Yeah. I, it's interesting because I, mean, I remember at the beginning of the year, Lowe was pushing that like Chicago should trade Levine plus for Beal. And I was like, no, man. like Levine, Levine is equal to, to Beal. That, that is a similar level player neither one is taking you significantly further as your best guy for all intents and purposes, you know, it's lateral, but like Levine has become a legitimately very good player in this game. One of the best scorers, he's still on a deal less than, significantly less than a max. And I I feel that the Vucevic move was sort of a move to appease him and put a, a, a young winner together, but that might've taken them in the opposite direction and now I don't, I don't know where Levine's at. Like, I don't, does he like Chicago? Does he not like Chicago? Is he, is he biding his time? Sort of like you think Beal might be and heading into Boston or is he going to re-up with the city? I don't know.
0: I've quietly been looking at Memphis. as the Zach Levine team. I know it's a tiny market and they never get guys, but the fit there with John Morant just seems like it would be perfect to me. Dylan Brooks might not be happy to become, to fall that far down the, the pecking order, but I think there's a good chance he's a free agent next summer and is gettable. And maybe Beal does get traded somewhere good. And now Levine, Boston can just pivot right into Levine. So I just think the stakes are so high for them. That Busevich trade, I think we're going to look at that in two years as the trade that destroyed the Bulls more than anything, right? Like, I think the real move for them, if you want to keep Zach Levine, that's fine. But you do it with an understanding that we need like a few years of runway to do this right. It made no sense to me to give up a high lottery pick, to give up a second first-round pick down the line, and to basically put yourself in a position where – you have to build a certain way. That just seems like way too much of a risk for me. So what about Patty Mills to the Bulls, by the way? He'd be a nice supporting piece. He's obviously not the defensive upgrade they need, but like as far as a role player, I kind of like that.
1: I don't hate it either, but I, I think if you if you bring in Lonzo and you have Kobe, that's that's enough. I, I don't right, know. I, I agree. And and you're crazy. There's, there's, there's no way Zach would be going to Memphis. I would be... I would be shocked. I owe you a beer if Zach Levine up and leaves and sides. Going to well, who
0: are the other cap space teams in 20? Like, let's say hypothetically, Beal and Levine went this route where they both became free agents. Boston signs Beal. Who are the other like appealing cap space teams to go after Levine? I guess the Knicks.
1: So there's a, there's a, the team that you just mentioned, if we're going to go a small market team that has cap next year. Uh, what about Detroit? If it turns out Kate is really good. And they You'd get rather go to
0: Detroit than Memphis. That's the same thing.
1: I, I don't think it's the same thing. I don't. I don't think it's the same thing. I think that Detroit is potentially set up here with a with a starter at every position that's young, that could be up and coming, where Levine could come in and be the star and take the money. I, I think that's Grizzlies are in the same boat. Yeah. I, I don't. And think by the they're way, in the same boat. I don't think they're. In, I don't think Jaren Jackson Jr. has shown enough for us to be excited about it. Okay. Yet. So My I,
0: counter, I, I, John Morant is. I, I think I would rather have John Morant than Kate Cunningham. So really, what you're comparing J- Jaron Jackson to is whoever the number two guy in Detroit is. I'd rather have Jaron Jackson than Jeremy Grant or Sadiq Bay.
1: Well, we're, how like Memphis two doesn't have cap next year.
0: Well, yeah, the next year they can create cap because they can. Huh? Not so is partially guaranteed.
1: Oh, that's true. Getting but still not men- enough. They're like fifty well, mil. Over. Over the books next year they're
0: not that far and they by the way like if you need to trade a first round pick to get off of Steve adams like clearly that's doable the like, pelicans just did it i've had yeah, them I, so. I think depending on if you don't extend jaron jackson and you go into it with it with him as a restricted free agent next offseason, season that saves you a fair bit maybe you don't extend grayson allen like there are ways to create cap space if you're if that's really your goal
1: yeah, I mean, it certainly looks like, depending on how this offseason plays, like Detroit, New York, San Antonio, Houston are the teams that have Houston's so kind of no,
0: interesting. He's not a fit with Jalen Green, but I think Houston is, like, they're going in the right direction.
1: Jalen Green can't play three?
0: I we, we have to see. I mean, that's a little ambitious, but, like, it's a little strange to pair Jalen Green with the guy Jalen Green was compared to. It's a little redundant. Yeah, fair enough. And Kevin Porter Jr. is there too. Now, I think if you need to trade Kevin Porter Jr. to get Zach Levine, that's something you do at a heartbeat. But I'm just saying right now, the fit isn't quite there. So I'll ask final predictions then. I, I'm, I'm starting to get convinced about this dragic Maps thing. I think even if Demar goes there, frankly, if they lose Hardaway, they're going to have some extra space. They're not using all that space on Demar Mills and Rose, I'm kind of at a loss here. And I think that this might end. With either the Lakers or the Warriors getting Mills for the tax pyramid level, and that would be just a steal.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm kind of talking myself into Mills at, at in Phoenix. I don't. I, That's a good I fit to, too. Yeah.
0: So all they'd have to do at that point, essentially, is if you can re-sign Craig for the minimum, just trade Dario Saric and maybe a pick or two to somebody for a healthy big man, and like you're in great shape.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like this idea that Phoenix is a dynasty from from Kendrick Perkins and others, not that's great. Ridiculous. This idea that Phoenix is a one and done, not great. Like Phoenix is a good basketball team. I don't think Chris Paul is just going to lose a leg tomorrow. I, you know, they bring in Patty Mills, they make a couple little rotation moves. I think Phoenix is very much in the mix again next year.
0: Well, also, if you sign Patty Mills, then you can like, if you really wanted to, you could play Chris Paul twenty six minutes a game in the regular season.
1: Yes, I mean that. That's the other thing, though. Like, I know that. Paul had COVID and was hurt, but the idea of Paul making it healthy all the way to the finals again is, is not great, but that is, that is the situation the Lakers are in with Davis and LeBron, the situation the Sixers are in with Embiid, the situation the Nets are in with Harden and Kyrie and, and KD. I, I think injuries have never been more, more of an active factor in a run ever than they will be
0: next year. As for Rose, I'm kind of thinking he might go back to the Pistons. Because they do need to get one more veteran ball handler, right? Like they're not going to hand the keys totally to Cade and to Killian Hayes, are they?
1: I don't know. I don't think they might. They might. Um, where, where did Delon Wright end up after this weekend? What God, was I don't that? Even remember?
0: I got to look this up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: Atlanta, right? He's oh, he might have filled the backup point guard void in Atlanta, so maybe he doesn't make sense for Hill after, for Mills after all. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he Hawks acquired Delon Wright. Yeah.
1: Man, like why do the Knicks not want him back? What's the reason? They probably the
0: Knicks- do. It's just a matter of who they're using their space on. My thought is that it's going to be Fournier and one of the guys on this list.
1: I wouldn't be surprised too. Like, let's just say it goes your your way with Lowry. Uh, Derek Rost in Miami wouldn't shock me either.
0: That would have to be a lower price thing. I don't think the Heat would like really dip into cap space for him, but I think that's an interesting bit.
1: Yeah, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's their backup option.
0: The Pistons created this cap space with intention though. Like I don't think that the the Plumlee trade is something you do unless you really want to have that much cap space. So they're going after somebody for the life of me. I just can't figure out who it is.
1: I just thought it was sort of a, like, let's save a buck because we're not going to be good. And uh, Isaiah Stewart is, well,
0: that's the other thing. You're creating the starting spot.
1: Yeah. Beef Stew is on his way up.
0: All of their young guys, man. Like, I mean, I think Hayes wasn't offensively what you would have wanted last year, but like, Bay was a home run. Stewart was a home run. Now you have Cade. The distance turned things around quickly.
1: I mean, yeah, depending on if, – if Cade is the guy that people think he is, because, I, like, again, I'm not a college basketball guy. I only saw really the tournament games, and I was not blown away. But if you really think Cade is, is a Luca light or whatever he's been compared to, then, man, they're going to be good in the hurry. because Bay was – heck, like I love Sadiq Bay. He's a huge hit. Stewart's going to be a player. We haven't even got to see Killian Hayes. And I, I mean, he did not look very good in the limited time he had, but they've got a lot of things going for them all of a sudden.
0: My last take of this episode before I let you go, because we've gone way longer than I said I'd keep you, is that if the Nets don't end up winning a championship with a score, I think the Sadiq Bay trade is what they're going to look back on as the reason why.
1: Man, that's a, that's a heck of a thing to hang your hat
0: on. And by the way, the Clippers could have had him too. Like both of those, like two really high level contenders, could have
1: had him. I really liked the trade time for the Clippers. I'm like, Luke Kennard's a good player.
0: I did too, and, and I thought the contract was good.
1: And then, yeah, no, I, I was not as high on Landry, and obviously the Nets weren't either, because that's already that experiment's already over. But I, I, I can't even. I, that's that's too hot, ticky. If the Nets don't win a championship, it will be cut. It will simply be because Kyrie, Harden, and Katie were not healthy for a run together. I, I can't. I honestly, if they are healthy, I cannot see them not winning a championship.
0: I mean, I think if the Lakers get everything right, there are scenarios where they're better, but they the Nets are certainly the favorite. Like I denied it for a lot of last year. I was very skeptical of their defense. From what I saw in the playoffs, their defense is fine. It's gonna be good enough. Josh, I have I, kept you I have kept you way too long at this point. Um where can people find your work, first of all?
1: Yeah, I'm on Twitter. At Josh Eberle. Um, I do a bunch of stuff. I host rooms for Spotify, green room, contribute all over the place. And I should have some stuff coming out for Yahoo sports in the, the near future. So thanks again for having me on.
0: Anytime, man. I can't believe like, got to tell my 10th grade self that we'd be doing a podcast <laughs> 10 years later. This is a very cool moment for my, you know, much younger self, but Josh, <laughs> thank you for coming on. We'll do this again for sure. Down the line. And the next time I the next time we do an episode here, it's probably gonna be after we've had real news. So that'll do it for us here today. Go like, go subscribe, go do all that good stuff. And we will be back in the semi-near